And please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. While you're turning there, uh, Pastor Jason mentioned the class that we're offering on uh, Thursday mornings in the, in the spring, starting uh, mid-January. It's on ecclesiology. Uh, I'll be teaching that class at our church offices from 8.30 to 10.30. Uh, we invite you, if you're interested in learning more about what the Bible says, how the church is supposed to function and work, uh, we would invite you to come to that class. We uh, talk about men's and women's roles in the church. We talk about church government. Um, what's the deal with voting in the church? And who's in charge of this? Who's in charge of that? Uh, is it right for someone to be removed from the church? If so, why? All those questions and more are in that class. Uh, it, it's been a, been a good class for us. We've done it a couple times, and I think people are generally helped by it. And so I'd invite you to... Uh, sign up for that. I know the sign-up's only uh, lasting for the last couple days, so quick, get on that. Instructions uh, can be found in your worship guide, I think. I didn't read through it yet this morning, but word has it. If not, call the church office. All right. 1 John 4, 1 to 6 is our text this morning. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I've entitled this message, Teacher Evaluation. When I was a school administrator, I would evaluate teachers regularly, and there are some things that you're looking for when you evaluate a teacher. You're looking certainly for character. I was an administrator at a Christian school, and we certainly wanted teachers who modeled Christ-like character. So when the class was unruly, did they appropriately respond to that, or did they throw erasers at kids? We were watching we're evaluating. But it wasn't just character that we were evaluating. We were also evaluating competency. If the students are meant to learn biology, do you know what you're talking about when it comes to biology? Do you have the right instruction for them? When you teach U.S. history, do you understand U.S. history or do you not? That would disqualify you as a teacher of U.S. history or world history, or literature, or math, or whatever subject it is. So you're looking for not just character, but also competency. Are you saying the right thing? Well, this church that John's church is, that the apostle John is writing to, as you know, had people leave them, depart from them. They were once of them, but then they left and didn't remain. And they didn't just leave and go and do their own thing. They were still trying to teach and sway 
those who are still in the church. We know from the rest of this book that they were a people characterized by their lack of love for Christians. They were characterized, characterized by their lack of righteousness. And we see here in this passage, they were characterized by their lack of accuracy when it, come to te- when it came to teaching about Jesus Christ. And so John writes to these churches and he tells them, listen, you've got to evaluate teachers, test teachers, test those behind the teachers, the spirits, test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Are you getting instruction that comes from God or are you getting instruction that comes from evil spirits, Satan himself through the mouthpiece of other people? So this is a call for the church, not just in the first century, but in the 21st as well, to evaluate biblical teaching or to evaluate spiritual teaching, if you will. Evaluate it. Know whether it's right or wrong. This passage shows us that a Christian teacher must preach the same doctrine about Jesus that the apostles taught. Let me say that again just for the sake of clarity. A Christian teacher must preach the same doctrine about Jesus that the apostles taught. A listener to spiritual teaching must only listen to teaching which follows the apostles' doctrine. So teachers must only teach in accordance with what the apostles taught because that's whom God sent to communicate truth. And listeners must only listen to those that communicate that truth from God through the apostles. So our outline for this morning is this, two considerations for those who listen to spiritual teaching. Two considerations for those who listen to spiritual teaching. First, because there are many false teachers, test them all. Someone comes and says, I've got some things to teach you that can deepen your spiritual life or give you spiritual life. You test what they say. You listen and examine what they say. So because there are many false teachers, test them all. Don't just listen to all people who claim to be even Christian teachers. I'll never forget, uh, Michelle and I were newly married. We were taking a walk in our neighborhood in Camarillo, California. Two gentlemen rode up on a bicycle and asked us if we wanted to know a deeper life. And I had a feeling I knew where they came from (laughs) and knew what they had to say. And I said, oh, we're Christians. We have a deep spiritual connection to our God through Jesus Christ. And they said, oh, we're Christians too. Well, they were from the Mormon religion. And because the Mormon religion does not teach what the apostles taught about Jesus Christ, no, they are not Christians. And that's not my evaluation to make based on my own ingenuity, originality, my own intelligence. That is my determination to make based on what God has said through the apostles. That's an example here. Someone might say that they're a Christian. It doesn't mean they are. The question is, do you teach in accordance with what the apostles taught? Because that's who Jesus Christ sent to continue on his message. That's the question. Chapter 4, verse 1, beloved. He's writing to the church, the loved ones, the saints, the children of God, beloved, do not believe every spirit. It's interesting that he doesn't say every teacher. He knows there's a spirit behind the teacher. 
There's a spirit behind all genuine Christian teachers that is the Holy Spirit of God. There's a spirit behind all false teachers of Christianity. It is the spirit of Satan. So the teacher is just who you see. The spirit is what's behind. Or in the case of us who teach sound doctrine, Christians who teach sound doctrine, the spirit is inside of us. So it's either the spirit of God inside of us or the spirit of Satan, spirit of the world inside of a teacher. So test the teacher, yes, but the spirit behind the teacher. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test or evaluate the spirits to see whether they are from God. And that last couple words there, whether they're from God, indicates that God has sent out into the world certain teachers. So test whether these are coming from God, actually sent by Him, or test whether they are saying they're from God, but when you look back behind them, no, they're actually not coming from God. That's what you test. The question is, are you from God or are you not? So you get a flyer in your mailbox or you get an ad for a new church, comes across your social media feed. The question to ask is, are these teachers from God or are they not? That's the question. And just because it says Christian church or a church for Christians or whatever it may say, you still evaluate, are you from God or are you not? Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You would think that because Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died for sinners, rose again, ascended to heaven, you think, okay, all is good. We have his truth. We can just kind of be fine. Nope. There are imposters. There are people who manipulate, who lie, who twist the truth. That's what Satan does. That's what his followers will do. And so you ask the question, are the teachers claiming to teach from God actually from God? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And it's interesting that in the context of this, evidently they go out into the world, these false prophets do, while one time being in the church. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Remember chapter 2? They have gone out from us. So a lot of false teaching, a lot of cults start when leave actually from the church. So there might be someone who professes sound doctrine, but for some reason, usually their own appetites for money, power, sex, whatever it may be, they branch off and try to say that they're of the Christian faith still, but they branch off and teach false doctrine. And that's why John here says that many false prophets have gone out into the world. At one time, didn't they profess to hold to the Christian faith? Yes, but they've gone out from us, proving that they were never of us. They didn't continue in the faith, capital F, faith, the Christian faith, the body of teaching that Christianity holds to. So, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And that's why it's so interesting to see cults that start up that try to make a connection and try to hold on to the claim of coming from Christianity. 
Well, that rope has been severed once you start teaching something different than the apostles taught. But they claim to have that rope to Christianity. See, we're Christians too. Will you say something different about Jesus than the Bible says? Will you say something different about his, his divinity? You say something different about his human nature. You say something different about his way of salvation. You've, you've said something different than the apostles have said. You're not from us. You've gone out from us. Now, I've been telling you, and so far in verse 1, I've been telling you that and showing you that the call is to test every spirit, test every teacher and the spirit behind them, evaluate them. You might be asking, well, what's the test? How do I test them? Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Right there, it makes it clear that if someone teaches you and says, Jesus was not actually a man, he just appeared to be a man, you know right there that is not from God himself. That's not teaching that comes from God. You know that. Now, here in our passage, 4, 1 to 6, we're dealing with false teaching that said Jesus Christ didn't actually come in the flesh. That's the false teaching John's talking about here. Elsewhere in the book, chapter 5, verse 1, he teaches that if someone doesn't teach that Jesus is the Messiah, he's in error. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So you've got to believe that Jesus is the Christ. You've got to be, it's got to be said that Jesus is the Christ. So a teacher has to teach that Jesus is the Messiah. Look down at verse 5, chapter 5, verse 5. Here's another body of teaching, body of doctrine that has to be true when you're taught. Whoever... Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So you've got to believe that Jesus himself is one with God, the Son of God. John wrote in his gospel, many of you know this, John wrote in his gospel that Jesus' opponents were trying to kill him because he was making himself equal with God. So if you've got someone that comes along and teaches that Jesus was not God, you've got a false teacher. Someone that comes along and says that Jesus is not the Messiah, you've got a false teacher. And in our passage, someone who comes along and says Jesus was not actually a man, you've got a false teacher. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus in the context, in the flesh, that he has come in the flesh. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus rightly is not from God. Well, pastor, I'm a new Christian. I'm moving to a new area. I'm supposed to test the spirits. What am I looking for? Do they teach what the apostles teach about the person and work of Jesus Christ? Do they teach that he was a man? Do they teach that he was, is God? Do they teach that? Do they teach that he's the Messiah? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, now we're somewhere. Well, no, they actually teach that he appeared to be a man or he wasn't always God. False teaching. Steer clear. I mean, literally, turn your car around and steer clear. 
don't go there. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. So any teaching that does not confess Jesus rightly is from Antichrist. Notice the the wiles of Satan. He doesn't just teach, have nothing to do with Jesus. He tries to twist the teaching about Jesus. That's where you have cults. That's where you have false teachers who claim to be Christians but say something other than the apostles said. That is the spirit of Antichrist. They might meet in a place they call a church building. They might have Bibles in front of them, but that is the spirit of Satan working in them. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Which you heard was coming. Antichrist is coming, but his spirit is now in the world already. Satan trying to fool the church. Satan trying to capture people, Satan trying to misrepresent Jesus, that spirit was already here. Christ ascended, it was there right away in the world, still here today, 2,000 years later. So because there are many false teachers, test them all. John wasn't the only apostle that said this. Apostle Paul said this as well, Romans 16, 17 to 18. I appeal to you, brothers, To watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles, listen to this, contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught, avoid them, (coughs) for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. It's the naive person who looks at a teacher and says, well, Look at all the followers they have on YouTube. There must be something there. I'll keep listening. Or it's the naive person that says, they say they're a Christian, so I'll listen. No, the question is, are they teaching what you've been taught from the apostles? That's the question. Again, Jehovah's Witnesses, as an example, teach that Jesus was not God in human flesh. Whereas the apostles have taught us, Colossians 2, in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in the flesh. So it matters that we accurately teach that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And what a perfect time of year for this passage where we celebrate that Jesus came in the flesh. This is what true Christians hold to. False Christians, false teachers don't hold to that. True Christians celebrate that Jesus came in the flesh. Let me give you some, some words from some noted theologians Listen to this from Louis Burkhoff in his famous Systematic Theology regarding Jesus and the fact that he came as a man. Not appearing to be a man, but actually came as a person. Listen to this. Since man sinned, it was necessary that the penalty should be borne by a man. 
Moreover, the paying of the penalty involves suffering of body and soul, such as only man is capable of bearing. It was necessary that Christ should assume human nature not only with its essential properties, but also with all the infirmities to which it is liable after the fall. So, Jesus came and felt the pain of sin, the pain of a cursed world, not his own sin, but he felt shame, he felt ridicule, he felt sickness, he felt all of that. He came as a man. At the same time, he had to be a sinless man. For a man who was himself a sinner and who had forfeited his own life certainly could not atone for others. Only such a true human mediator who had experimental knowledge of the woes of mankind and rose superior to all temptations could enter sympathetically into all the experiences, trials, temptations of man and be a perfect human example for his followers. He had to be a man. Only a man could be an adequate substitute for another man, for another person. Jesus had to be a person. It's the only way we will have our sins forgiven is if we have an actual substitute takes away our sin. Let me say it this way. You and I should be publicly shamed for all of our sin. It should be known that we've rebelled against God. It should be publicly known and we should be ridiculed because of our rebellion against God. That's how bad it is. But get this. God Himself came as a man, a sinless man, a fully righteous man, the perfect representation of righteousness, the perfect representation of love because that's who He is. And when He died on the cross, He was naked and publicly shamed for not His sin, but for our sin. So what we deserve, we don't get because one like us came to be our substitute. Another person took our place. And this person was God Himself, fully divine, truly divine, (coughs) truly man. Another theologian, Robert Lethem, said it this way, the human race was plunged into the mire of sin. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Dad. The human race was plunged into the mire of sin, guilty before God and under His wrath, There was no other way for it to be delivered other than by the incarnation, life, atoning death, and ascension of the incarnate Son. So we were born children of Adam, plunged into the sin that he was engaged in. We need a new representative. We need a new person to be under. We're under sin in Adam Now Jesus Christ came, a new man, fully man. Now we're under him when we believe. New man. Thank you. Gregory of Natsiandus said this, that the entire humanity fallen through sin may be made anew. That's why Jesus came as a man. 
The entire humanity was fallen through sin, and now they may be made anew because there's a new man that represents them, a new man that's a substitute for them. The Heidelberg Confession. By the way, I saw on TV there was, on, in, on Hallmark, a, a, a movie about a Heidelberg Christmas, and I got all excited. Heidelberg Confession. It was just a love story. It didn't… It, I was fooled. <laughs> anyway, Heidelberg Confession, why must he be truly human and truly righteous? God's justice demands it. Man has sinned. Man must pay for his sin, but a sinner cannot pay for others. So we needed another man, and we needed a perfectly righteous man. We got that in Jesus Christ. Anyone who teaches you something else is stealing glory from Jesus Christ. Anyone who teaches something else, if you believe what they say, then you're still in your sins because you don't have an adequate substitute. Which is also why the Mormon religion steals glory from Jesus Christ, because they teach that He was not always God. He became a God later on. So, therefore, you can be a God just like Jesus. He earned it, so can you. That steals glory from the actual Jesus Christ, from the perfect, spotless Son of God who's always existed with the Father. That steals glory to say that I can do the same thing that He did. Only the Christian faith that holds to the doctrine of the apostles is one that rightly and appropriately glorifies Jesus Christ as He is. So, Christian, be able to answer the question, why was it important for Christ to be a man? It's, it's, a good, it's a good thing to know about your Christian faith. It's a good thing to know, especially during this season. It's a good thing to know, especially in an area where so many people teach different things about Jesus Christ and the apostles taught. Know why it's important. Know why it's special to us. If you're here and you're <clears throat> visiting your passing through town, you're new to town, whatever it may be, maybe you're about to move somewhere in the next couple of years for school, work, whatever it may be, I would encourage you to go to a church that teaches clearly the apostles' doctrine. And when I say teaches, I mean that verb intentionally. You want to go to a church that teaches the Bible, not a church that just refers to the Bible. A church that teaches the Bible and explains these things to you, you'll see, ah, I get the apostles' doctrine. I know what they were teaching about Jesus Christ, about salvation, about the Holy Spirit, about God the Father, about the Christian life, about love. You'll get what the apostles taught and you'll understand it. You want to go to a place that teaches, not just refers. Well, I'll refer to the Bible. I'll point to the Bible, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about some current events and, <clears throat> and cultural issues because that's kind of what people want nowadays. The Bible's old and antiquated and boring, and so I'm just going to refer to the Bible to kind of please some people, but, but I, I want to talk to you about this. Don't go there. Go to a place that teaches the apostles' doctrine, teaches what the prophets have said in the Old Testament. Go to a place that teaches, explains the text, explains the passage, not just a place that refers to it. doesn't mean it's false teaching, 
They might be referring to the text and they might hold to apostolic doctrine themselves, but part of their job is to equip you to know apostolic doctrine yourself. So that's why I say it's important to be at a place that teaches the Bible, not just refers to the Bible. There's a second consideration for those who listen to spiritual teaching. It's this, because you take heed of apostolic teaching, you know God. Because you've responded to what the apostles have said, you know God. And doesn't that fit with the rest of the book? A book written so that you would know that you are right with God. You would know and can be assured that you are right with God. John makes a conclusion about his listeners' relationship to God based on the fact that they listen to the apostles. You listen to us? You take heed of what we say, you've responded to what we've said, you know God. They're teaching something different, they don't know God. You're listening to us, God sent us to teach you when you listen to us, when you take heed to what we say, you know God. Verse 4, and notice here, the you, the they, and the we, so Notice here, little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They, these departed teachers, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We, John's talking about the apostles, we are from God, sent from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. So here, you see right there why I say the question on whether you know God or not depends on who you listen to. Do you listen to teachers that hold to the apostles' teaching? If so, that proves you know God because God sent the apostles. You listen to teachers, they can call themselves whatever they want, Christians, whatever. You listen to teachers who do not teach the apostles' doctrine, they are not from God, and therefore those who take heed to what they say are not ones that know God themselves. That's the argument here. But back to verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Who's the them? These false teachers. You've overcome the false teachers. You are from God because he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. Now, who is the one in me? Who's the one that's in the world? Here are the spirits again. So the Holy Spirit of God is in you. The spirit of the devil, spirit of the world, is in them. He who's in you, the spirit of God, is greater than he who's in the world. Now, based on these verses, how do you know that you've overcome the world? The simple answer is because you've believed the message from the apostles, which is the message that gives life because that's what God has given. That's the truth God has given. So when you believe the message of the apostles, which is the message of God, you have overcome the evil one. You have overcome the false teaching and the lies of the evil one. So the overcoming is based on what you believe and what you listen to. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. 
and the world listens to them. Why are there so many people swayed and seduced by false teaching, by cults? Because those people, the listeners, are from the world. They are of the world. They've never been born again. They don't have the Spirit of God indwelling them. So they are a people with a spirit of error inside of them. So when error is taught to them, they grab onto it. Why in the world do you believe true things that God has said from the Scriptures? Because you've been given the Holy Spirit to believe. When you have the Spirit in you and you hear truth, you believe that and grab onto it, and therefore you're an overcomer of error. That's what he's saying here. He says this, we, the apostles, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever knows God listens to us. So this is John. I, I don't think all the apostles were there with him when he was writing this, but, but, but as it were, he's saying, we, me, Paul, Jude, where are you? You're kind of tiny in the shadow. Okay, there, there you are, Jude. Peter, we are from God. Anyone who listens to us knows God. Because God sent us to declare this truth. That's the argument. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. If you ever are sent a video, go to a church where someone tries to pit an apostle's teaching against the words of Jesus, run. Because those who listened to the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John, those who listened to Luke's writings, Jude, those who listened to them are listening to God. God has taught through the Apostles. He has given His Spirit to the Apostles. That's what Pastor Jason read earlier in the passage from John chapter 14. Jesus Christ promised that He would send His Spirit to the apostles. He would bring to their mind the things that they were to then communicate to us. That's why in John chapter 17, when Jesus prays just before He's going to die, rise again, ascend to heaven, He prays for those, us, He prays for those who would believe through their word. Who's the there? The apostles. So, in Jesus' mind, we today, Canyon Bible Church of Prescott, Christians today all around the world, we are known as people who have believed through the apostles' message. So that's why John can say, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So he summarizes it again. Okay, it's still not clear to me. How can I know that someone's a true teacher versus a false teacher? Here's how you know from this passage. Do they teach what the apostles taught? Yes, great. They're from the truth. They're from the Spirit of God. Do they teach what the apostles teach? Well, no, they say something different about the humanity of Jesus. Then no, that's the spirit of error. Don't listen to it. So the question is, what do they do with the apostles' teaching? I love this. When he says, whoever listens to God listens to us, it just reminds me of growing up, 
Uh, I was not a Christian growing up. I would have called myself a Christian. Uh, many of you know my testimony. Grew up around Christian things. Didn't know much theology or anything. Um, didn't know the gospel rightly. I thought I was a Christian because of how good I was, because I looked around at the other kids in my school and they were really bad, so I thought I'm going to heaven because I don't get drunk. I literally thought that. And then I went off to college, and you would think that if I was a true Christian, once I got to college, I would become even more Christ-like if I had the Spirit of God in me. Guess what? Didn't happen. I became more and more like Satan, more and more like the world. I'd never been born again. And then I went to a church. It was called Santa Cruz Bible Church. The pastor at that time was a man named Chip Ingram. I remember there was a passage that he taught one day where he taught the gospel, and I will never forget thinking to myself, for the first time, I am not good. I'm bad. I'm horrible. And that made me need Jesus Christ. And for the first time, I mean, I grew up going to Christian school. I memorized verses. But that was the time when I saw Jesus clearly and said, I get why he's so special. I need him. I'm not good. He is, and he says he'll forgive me. And that's where I came to faith in Jesus Christ. And I look back on that time, and I think, you know why I went to Santa Cruz Bible Church? Because there was a cute girl there. That's why I started going. But God was doing something. In His providence, He brought me there. I became a Christian around that time and then moved down to Southern California where I transferred to a different college. And I didn't know what to look for in a church. I just knew I was a new Christian. I didn't know where to go. I would get in the truck every morning at 5 a.m. and drive 20 minutes to the job that I did and then go to school at night. And uh, I would listen to Christian radio. And I heard this guy teaching the Bible on Christian radio in my Mazda B2300 red pickup truck, <laughs> driving from Canoga Park to Thousand Oaks. And I listened to this man teach the Bible. And again, I grew up going to church. I grew up going to Christian school. But now I had the Holy Spirit of God inside of me. So he would teach the Bible and I couldn't get enough of it. I remember thinking, I need, I need to go to a church where like, someone like this guy is teaching because this is exciting to me. And I thought, he must be far away across the country. Well, I found out he was 20 minutes from where I lived. His name was John MacArthur, so I start going to Grace Community Church, and I start learning theology and learning about this God. And I'm thinking, how did I never know this? And I started to get upset at the churches I grew up in. Why did, why did you tell me I was always good? Why didn't you tell me I had a problem and Jesus Christ was the solution? Why didn't you talk more about Jesus? You had Fourth of July parades every year and you put on all these programs, but I didn't hear Jesus clearly and I started to get upset about that. 
not always righteously angry too, sometimes sinfully angry. So I started to listen at church and be discipled by people who pointed me to the beauty of Jesus Christ and His power in my life. And, and I look back on it and think, why did I turn to that radio station? Because God is good. And then I started to read people. I started to read old dead Christians like Jonathan Edwards and listen to people like John Piper and Mark Dever and started to be taught more and more of the Bible and being pastored by Pastor Kurt and Pastor Eric and Pastor John. Started to learn more and more of this God and love Him all the more. And then I've had Christian friends and brothers who've modeled godliness to me. Why in the world would I have friends like Josh Ariano and Jason Drummond, Brad Penner and John Filkey and Dave Lutz and Byron Tabbitt? Why would I have friends like Chris Maldarella? Why would I have friends like Charlene Gallo? Why would I get to see people who loved Christ and lived a godly life like it says in the Scriptures? Because God's gracious and He guides His people. He shepherds His people to green grass and to living water. And then a few years ago, we went on a sabbatical, as many of you know, and went to study a particular topic of Christian doctrine and planned to go to a couple churches while we were there in England. Went to church in Cambridge, Eden Baptist, and I was just reminding a Christian brother this week of something I learned in one of those church services that was so helpful to me spiritually and thought, why did I get to learn that? Because the Holy Spirit of God is gracious. And then we went to a church further south in England, had plans to go to this other church, and then one day this guy that we met on this Christian tour, who was also a pastor, we're having lunch and um, we're on this Christian tour and we kind of broke for lunch and he's sitting over there alone and my wife says, why don't you, why don't you ask that guy to come over and have lunch with us? He's sitting by himself, he's with us on the tour. So I go and ask him to come over. It turns out he was a pastor from the United States. And so we're talking pastor stuff. What are you preaching? What are you reading? And um, he said, what are you preaching? I said, well, I'm about to start 1 Corinthians when I get back to Arizona with my church. And he said, how are you not going to William Taylor's church while you're here in London? He's teaching through 1 Corinthians, one of the best Bible teachers in the world. Why are you not there? And I thought, you know what? I read about that church a few years ago in a book why are we not there? And so the next Sunday, we went and heard William, who's now become a friend, teach on 1 Corinthians. And a couple weeks later, after a Sunday service, I'm standing in the back. The rest of our family was sick, so just Gabriel and I were at church that day. And uh, standing in the back and uh, just waiting for Gabriel's class to be done. And um, William walks up and introduces himself, and I said, hi, I'm a, I'm a 
pastor from America. We're here on sabbatical. We've enjoyed being here the last few Sundays. And he had just taught on 1 Corinthians 15, your labor is not in vain. And he looks at me and he points at me and he says, your labor is not in vain. And right there, I'd been sitting under this man teaching me what the apostle Paul had taught. But now, just his encouragement to me kind of drew my heart to him. And that was, for whatever reason, that statement right there on that day in that season of life, I needed to hear that. Your labor is not in vain. We get home and I keep in contact with William and they invite us out the next summer, me and Dave, to go and spend time with them, learn some more things from their church, be around some of them. And he invites us into his home and has since become a friend. And, and then a couple years ago, I'm at a conference where I hear a Bible teacher named Michael Reeves. And he's teaching me not just about the facts of the Trinity, but about the beauty of the Trinity, the beauty of our triune God. Why it's so wonderful that God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit. And I'm so in love with my God and so thankful that I get to know him the way I do. And I think, why did I get introduced to Michael Reeves and his teaching? Because the Spirit of God is good. He guides and directs. I'm just sharing with you some of my experiences because I think they're your experiences too. There have been people who have taught you the scriptures and they will forever be special to you. Sometimes it's grandma. Sometimes it's your pastor. Sometimes it's another pastor who wrote a book. Sometimes it's your aunt. Sometimes it's your brother, your sister. The Spirit of God sees to it that he will get us into a place where the Bible's teaching comes alive to us and it changes us forever. And it's simply the teaching of God's messengers that he sent. So, I know I went on a rabbit trail this morning. <laughs> Talked to you a lot about some personal experiences. But I hope you see that God sees to it that he will put his people in the path of teaching which will enliven them, change them, grow them, because he loves them. That's what our God is like. So again, friend, if you're passing through, if you're trying to find a church, find someone that teaches the Bible. Find an environment where you can have the Word of God explained to you, because the Word of God comes with power. And I'll say this also, maybe an evangelistic call. When it says, when I say that you need to be in a place where you hear the Word of God, I'm not talking about where you have sound waves come into your head. And maybe a better word is not hear, but heed. It's the one who heeds the Word of God, responds to it. There are a lot of people that sit under sound teaching week after week after week that will not be in the new heavens and new earth. Because ultimately, they've rejected the teaching. They've sat under it, but they've rejected it. It, it calls me to love my enemies. I'm not going to do that. You won't be in the new heavens and the new earth. It calls me to acknowledge my sin before God. I, I don't want to. It doesn't matter how many Sundays you sit 
listening to the Word of God, you haven't heeded the Word of God. The Bible says Jesus died for my sins. I think I've got to be a certain type of person first for Him to let me into heaven. That's wrong. You need to simply repent and believe and trust that He died for all of your sins. All of them. Trust Him. Trust His grace. Don't question it. Don't try to earn part of it. Trust Him. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will make you great. Bow the knee. Accept His righteousness. Accept His forgiveness. Heed the Word of God. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to heed it. Salvation is for those who heed the Word of God, who have faith in that message, who trust that message of a Savior who dies for sins, gives His righteousness, rises again to give life, and who's coming again for us. Heed that. Heed the Word of God. So friend, listen to heed Take in Bible teaching, the apostles' teaching. If anyone has something to say to you, I don't care if they call themselves a Christian, if it's different than the apostles say, that is false teaching. Do not listen to it. If you listen to the apostles' teaching, to what they say, you know God. You know God. Be assured. About 10 or 15 years ago, there was a popular false teacher that came out of the church. For a while, churches would play his videos, sell his books. You can probably still find them in some Christian bookstores. Christians were seduced, some, by this man. This man's name was Rob Bell. I remember growing up and around that time, I Growing up, I was still older then. Um, remember that time when questions would be asked, family members, friends, what do you think of Rob Bell? I, I like him. I don't like him. And, and there was debate. This pastor from Michigan. Then he came out with a video, kind of a promotion of his book, Love Wins, where he asks the question, and he really mocks Christians who would assert that Gandhi is in hell. And he says, Gandhi's in hell? Really? Someone knows this? And these mocking Christians who would say that, yes, based on what Gandhi believed and taught, he would be in hell. Here's this Christian teacher mocking Christians for believing someone who didn't believe the Christian message would die and be in hell. Bell seems to be indicating that a person didn't have a right to make that claim, and he's judging the Christian church, which is a lot like those who departed from these churches in 1 John. It's a lot how they would be acting. Really? You're saying this? We've got this other knowledge, this better knowledge. So, in a way, these false teachers judge the true church. You don't have enough. You don't have what you need. Come to us. And John's saying, whoa, 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 you test the spirits. You test them. You evaluate them. I find it interesting that false teachers often judge the church, and they're the ones that will be judged one day. 
they're the ones that are being evaluated who will be condemned one day because they, how they've misled so many. We listen to John because God sent John. We listen to Matthew because God commissioned Matthew. We listen to Mark. We listen to Peter. We listen to Luke. We listen to Jude. We listen to Isaiah. We listen to Moses. We listen because God has sent these people to communicate truth to us. And if anyone has something to say to us that differs from what these people say, we don't listen. We test the spirits because they, these people, have been sent by God to teach us. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the fact that we believe the scriptures. We believe your truth. We don't deserve to know truth. We don't know truth because we're smarter. We don't know truth because we're better. We know truth. You've given us a book that's been preserved. Father, I think all of us collectively this morning would want to say thank you for the fact that we have the Spirit of God in us that recognizes your teaching to us. We praise you for illumination. We praise you for understanding and knowledge. So, Father, we know truth. We're asking you to allow us to continue to live out the truth. Make us more loving, more righteous, more evangelistic, more forgiving, more caring,